Welcome to the Wellbeing Rebellion, the podcast that's changing workplace cultures for good. We're your hosts, Ngazi Wella and Obehi Alafoje. Let's get this rebellion started. You know that expression, it takes a village to raise a child? It's a bit like that with your mental health and well-being strategy, even if you have the best intentions. And with all the will in the world, you, HR superhero, cannot deliver everything alone. Even if your CEO is telling you that you can, you know you can't. So you're going to have to employ external contractors, um, trainers, strategists, mental health experts to support you in designing, delivering, implementing your mental health and well-being strategy. And we all know that choosing the right suppliers is the key to the success of any project. But how do you do that? How do you know who the right suppliers are? When we started Aurora, was it five years ago now? Yeah. Very, very few companies branded themselves as mental health and well-being. It just wasn't popular or sexy. It was not in the news anywhere near as much as it is today. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely the idea of B2B, so business to business, mental health and well-being sales was very, very low. Because there's no budget for it. They, they had training, budget, leadership training, all the things. Yeah, but it just didn't exist as a thing, right? But now, post-pandemic, every single person out there, every single salesman out there will link something about their product to mental health and well-being. So how do you, as the HR lead in your organization, responsible for procuring effective and cost-effective suppliers, How do you determine what's actually going to work for your business? That's what we're going to explore in this episode of The Wellbeing Rebellion. So let's dive in. First thing we should talk about is what kinds of mental health suppliers might you need to contract or bring on board in order to support your strategy in an organization. And companies might need the sort of help that is obvious. For instance, choosing the right employee assistance program. There are lots of companies that provide EAP services who have access to psychologists, psychiatrists, peer workers, occupational therapists, mental health recovery and rehab workers, etc., etc. That's one of them. There's the mental health trainers. Do they want to come and deliver training to your leaders or your staff? how to look out for the signs, that kind of thing. Um, and then you have the mental health strategists and consultants like us um, who come and help you design a strategy about how you're going to put all this stuff in place so you're not Frankensteining um, things from different places. So those are the... But there's more. Call, yeah, like who? Well, like coaches and consultants. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you might have coaches who operate outside of the EAP, yeah. who will support your your employees going through difficult times. Yeah. Um, yeah. You might even have an in-house therapist. So there's, depending on the size of the organization yeah, and the need. Exactly. So there's a number of different skills required to make sure that your mental health 
strategy really does work and is effective. But it's so important that you get the right, right one. I'll give you an example, a live example of why. So we've been delivering um, some, frankly, killer training <laughs> with, a, with a law firm that we're working with up in Cumbria. And um, one of the things we like to do when we're delivering this leadership development training on mental health and well-being is to get the leaders, the line managers, to actually access the support that the organization provides themselves so that they know what they're going to be recommending their staff do if the need arises. Mm -hmm. Okay, so there's no point in saying, oh, well, just call the EAP unless you as a manager have tried calling the EAP yourself and know exactly what they do and how well they do it. So we were up in Cumbria um, debriefing after they had been left this homework last month and were asked to contact the various different support um, services available to them. And it was such a mixed bag, yeah. wasn't it? Wide range of experience from that, um, wide range of responses, <laughs> so mixed bag. So which kind of had indicated to the senior leadership that actually we need to look at the services that were mm-hmm. were using the, the suppliers and find out more about, you know, whether they could the consistent thing. But the idea is clearly they thought they were better than they actually were. Yeah. So it's interesting for them to to find out like that, which is great for the delegate because for those heads of department they were able to go, right. So when I send in them to go, oh go call this number. I now need to tell them it might be a 10-minute wait before someone picks up the phone. It's helpful for them to know that that way. You know, they're more patient with it. But it was just the... that I thought that was an interesting exercise. It's always an interesting exercise when we do that in training. Um, and usually you wouldn't do that in one-day training, of course. You do that in a more transformational way. Because you can go back and fix some of these problems. So which leads us into the first part of this uh, podcast, which is talk about the benefits of finding the right mental health suppliers. When you find the right ones, they help you want to create psychologically safe spaces where your employees feel comfortable to speak up about mental health issues, about anything they just bothering them. They can speak up about it with their peers and their manager, that kind of thing, right? They can help you make mental illness more stigma-free. They can help you educate your people around the well-being resources that are there for them, how to help them cope, build resilience, they can do that. They can ensure the workforce policies and programs support the employee health and well-being, and they can make your workplace a supportive place for everybody or anyone who's dealing with a difficult situation, either at home or at work. And then there are other things, like helping managers become internal champions so they can promote well-being and address the causes of mental health problems in teams. They can help affected employees with treatment and strategies to reduce the poor mental health symptoms that they're experiencing. And finally, they can help your organization improve employee engagement and retention. It's what we want right now. But if you choose the wrong one, what happens? Yeah, what happens when you choose the wrong one? Obi asked me this question earlier, and I had a very blunt answer. And it's based on real life experience again, right? So we're currently in the process of tendering for 
two large transformational projects. And yippee, yippee, yay, we've hit the final stages of, of both of them. And these are perfect examples of why you need to be very considered before you bring on an external supplier to assist you. The first one, we found out after we'd gotten through this, this um, initial stage that actually this is the second time that they'll be running this project. And the project is one that requires real culture change, sensitivity and awareness. It's around the issues um, relating to black progression within the workforce, right? So sensitive stuff. And what we found out was that the reason that they hadn't successfully completed the project uh, four years ago was because of poor communication, possible lack of lived experience, lack of clarity around the purpose of the program, and lack of trust with the facilitators and no rapport built between the facilitators and the people they were trying to train yeah. and coach. And basically, that sums up why you need to be so careful. If you pick the wrong people to walk alongside you in delivering your culture change programs, whether that's in mental health or EDI or whatever it is, then they have the potential to, and pardon my French, completely fuck up every good thing you're trying to do. They will tank your good intentions and sink them in poor execution. And what's really dangerous about that is even when you try to pull back and correct your error by bringing on somebody else, somebody who has got the right experience and the right skill and the right rapport, the level of cynicism that will have embedded within your employees and your workforce, the resentment towards them being dragged in through this again is already a huge mountain for your new supplier to have to climb before they get to the actual transformation. So it is important that you, you do this and you do it right because it's not, I'm not saying you only have one shot at it. No, you don't. You don't. But it's a lot of time. Though. It's a, a lot, lot of time. Yeah. Into where trying to figure first out impressions right count. The interviews you have to do for right. There's a lot of things that go into it. It's not especially when it's a transformational long-term program as opposed to just a one-day workshop. That you know. But that's but because it matters. Yeah. It definitely. really matters when you're talking about asking people to be vulnerable, which you are when you're talking about mental health. You're asking people to trust you. They need to know that whoever is delivering the training is trustworthy. So you need to do your due diligence and make sure that you've picked the right person who's going to be the correct fit for yeah. whatever it is you're desiring. You can't find that just by looking on websites. You need to kind of get to know these individuals. Yeah. So that that's the main consequence. The, the initiative fails. Um, and then you have to start again or it gets abandoned. And meanwhile, once it's abandoned, the people the people that you're intending to support with this, in the organization, 
um, don't get the support, and then you know the, it's still the productivity is still low. Like, the thing that you were hoping that would help, yeah, it won't get doesn't fixed. get done, and obviously it moved on for another year and another year, and it's still all of that going on. So that's the consequence. That's the main consequence when you pick the wrong fit mm. for your organization. But you have to be realistic. You have to be realistic. If you've got a very limited budget, you're not going to be able to get the best of the best. When true. we started, right, I know that we used to charge £350 for a one-hour one workshop yeah. that we now charge upwards of £3,000 for yeah. that same workshop. We were young, naive, we wanted experience and we got it. Yeah? yeah. And that was great for us at the time. It's not going to pay the bills. No. Right? So now I feel very comfortable with the price point that we're at, knowing that we deliver exceptional service and yeah. exceptional results. But people still come to us and say, ooh, it's a bit expensive. I know they'll go off and find a supplier that's within their budget and they, they may be lucky and get us four years ago <laughs> they may be lucky Maybe. but you pays your money you takes your choice right so you have to balance that effectiveness with cost effectiveness and see really what is more important is it the the cost of the supplier which is let's be honest that tends to be one of the the first things people look for when it shouldn't be it should be is this supplier going to be the right fit to deliver the results that we're looking for? Yeah. And so many um, suppliers, it doesn't matter what they're selling, whether it's coffee machines, photocopiers or mental health services, they will tell you what you want to hear, won't they? Yeah. And I refuse to do that because it's not actually any good for me, uh, uh, for Aurora as our reputation. Exactly. Right. They'll tell you that they'll be able to deliver A, B, C, one, two, three right now. But the fact is, they can't. They can't. I mean, what I, I remember when we, I think the first year, our first year, because I remember it's still before the pandemic, um, and we were talking about, we were trying to benchmark, this is, oh my God, it's going back a bit now. So <laughs> we were trying to benchmark how much we would charge for our um, training, mental wellbeing training for leaders, that kind of thing. And so we would see that there was all these training that said one day training, two day training, and they'll have a price, I can't remember how much it was. And um, I'm looking at the content of this then. And I, I remember saying to Gazi, I, you know, I could psychology, like, can I put my hand and heart and at a behavioral train specialist, right? That I can help alter a manager's behavior in two days to be able to spot the signs of an employee who may not be presenting today, that they'll be able to spot them in a month's time and know what to do, and say the right thing, and refer them to the right place, and review how they're doing, and perform and manage them in the way that is, you know, inclusive and with care in two days. Nah. And I would like, nah, I can't do that. And once we establish that, it's the reason why me and Ngoiga don't have one day, two day training for money, that we don't have it. It doesn't exist in our program. So you're either, we recommend you somewhere else to do, we do it at a learn to learn. You yeah. know, just conversation to have with the manager while we're having some lunch and, you know, having some sandwich. can do that. It's a bit of fun. But the but there's no expectation that there will be a transformation there. The expectation is that someone's going to go, oh, my God, I'm lacking these skills. I need to go and talk about training or I need to figure out how I'm going to be able to upskill myself. But 
is the reason why our programs are three months, six months, 12 months, because we need to see a transformed leader at the end of that training. The person can go somewhere else and still take that skill set with them. So that is the point. So that's what I'm going to say about that. Just remember it. <laughs> uh, okay. So how do you find this unicorn, the perfect <laughs> mental health supplier for your needs? Um, my first thing I'm going to say, check for your culture and value fit. Right? Ask the right question. You can check their website, see what they stand for. Check on LinkedIn. A lot of people post, a lot of suppliers post on LinkedIn. Mm. You can get a feel for what they're like. You know what I mean? So they should mirror, when they come to a meeting with you, it should be the person you saw online. Mm. That's how I see it. And I think we, we me and Ngoji get that a lot. It is Ngoji online. When you see her, yep, that's her. So they know, oh, I was expecting something different. I never get that. Anyway, mm. so that that's my first, that's the first thing that comes to mind. The culture, how you are, the values align with that. And that means that your people would also align with it as well. For instance... Is your organisation one where people regularly come to work in jeans, jumpers, they're relaxed, they like to banter with one another, it feels like an extension of home. Then you need the kind of specialist who can feel that way as well, who feels approachable down to earth. Or is it somewhere more like, I don't know, I'm thinking of stockbrokers, suit and tie, um, a much more formal working environment where it's more closed door offices and your employees would feel more comfortable with someone who's um, less jovial and more professional. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? You just remind me of something. It's a sideshow now. But when I work in... um, a drug and alcohol. That was my background, right? So I worked at uh, a practitioner and supported people who were addicted to stuff. And so during the training, we were in smart, you know, smart, not necessarily suits or anything like that, but, you know, smart casual kind of outfit um, for the training. And also when you met with your managers and stuff, that's what we we looked like. But I realized that my client, my patient were not managers. My patient were not, you know, <laughs> the other therapist. Therefore, how I presented to them, and I noticed every time I looked in my normal, casual, smart outfit, or I might have a blazer, I didn't, I get this, you know, reluctant to speak yeah. type of thing. Because you look like a judge. I <laughs> I look like the judge that sent them to prison a few months before. And I think, oh, I get it now. So... And I'm quite casual in terms of my style, I can do casual. But the idea is I thought, okay, I'm going to have to, I had to change my shoes, my stilettos, which I love my stilettos, but I changed them to Converse. <laughs> Converse were raining that time. It was like, you know, naughty. So Converse, mm-hmm. um, a nice little jump. I still kind of sort of dress like that to today, give or take a few days here and you there. You always dress like that. What are you talking <laughs> about? But it was because once I did that, the openness, all of a sudden, I couldn't believe just clothing. I mean, psychologically, you know clothing will do it, but you don't really believe it would. And then people tell you their life stories because they yeah. kind of check you out and go, you're lying with me. I, I get you. You're not speaking in big words. I, 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 I speak in simple terms, right? So it was that kind of thing that helped. And I noticed that 
I could move patients through treatment quite easily. But of course, I always had a pair of stilettos when I had to go to a meeting with the commissioner or, you know, probation. And I'll have something under my desk so I can sort of smarten up real quick. But that was, that was just what reminded me about that. <laughs> and, and that brings me to the point. You can't choose your mental health supplier uh, on paper. If anybody says, um, yeah, well, we just, just just pay for it online and then we'll send someone over, red flag, abort, abort, abort. Because you <laughs> need to meet them. You need to have an idea of who is going to be coming into our business. Will we like them? Yeah. Will they like us? Will they get us? So make sure that they're happy to do face-to-face interviews with you. We always do. Yeah. Whether it be virtual or face um, in person, yeah. We'll always meet them beforehand. And if you're investing in something that's longer term, like our um, leadership development programs or anything like that, which takes three months, where you're going to have repeated uh, interactions with your staff yeah it's a good idea to ask them if you if you can pilot first do yeah. a test run obviously you have to pay but it just gives you that opportunity for a break if things don't work out the way that you're hoping we idea. we often pilot when we're working with large corporations we'll pilot with one or two teams to make sure that it does work and it's a, a good fit for them and for us yeah the other thing I'll talk about is how your um, how your suppliers manage risk. So what happens when people don't attend the trainings or the programs? What do you do to be able to get them back? Do they have any protocol? Do you have to break the contract? You know, sign the contract with them? What is that? So we could need to know what it looks like. When you've now said, oh, yeah, we're going to take a training, we're going to do this training, roll them out, but, you know, there's a budget problem here or, you know, your, your senior leadership have changed their mind or in that case that we talked about, it just didn't work out. Is there a protocol there that allows us or you as the organisation and as the HR to be able to mitigate um, the risk with that supplier so that you can say, okay, yes, we'll pay you for this amount that we've done so far and that's the end of it. So you don't enter this legal issue um, with people. So I think that's helpful to know. What happens if you cancel last minute? What's mm-hmm. the consequences of that? Um, you know, the pay structure, how do you pay, you know, late fees? Am I adding more to it because you paid late? So the little things that you probably need to find out before you work with with whoever you're going to work with. But the biggest thing, the biggest thing is, particularly when you're doing a long-term program, but even for a one-hour workshop, it should be in partnership with you. You are entrusting your staff to them, right? So it should be a co-creation process. Yes. They should be flexible. They should be willing to meet with you, review the materials beforehand, It shouldn't be cookie cutter, or if it is, it should have some ability to tailor to what your organization needs or does. For instance, every company has standard programs. We do. And even when we're delivering our standard programs, we'll find out from our HR partner, whoever is the program sponsor, what are the support services that your organization provides? Mm -hmm. And can we 
add them to our material in some way yeah. as a reminder. We'll have a very brief um, review session with them so that they can make sure that they're happy with the material that we're going to share. Exactly. And it allows them to say, actually, in our organization, we do this. Oh, I know. Let's add this element to it. Yeah. Or I'd feel much more comfortable if you didn't talk about this because of X, Y, Z reason. Mm. If the supplier that you're working with is not willing to do that, then again, just be cautious about proceeding. But bear in mind, the suppliers who are willing to do that do need to be compensated for their time. time. Which brings us to the things that you need to do, because this is a two-way street, right? You have obligations too, right? The number of times, the number of times that I go into discovery calls with potential clients about wanting to procure our services they'll have a fixed idea of what it is that they want. And then I'll ask them what the budget is. And suddenly there's a silence and an embarrassed <laughs> laugh. Oh, we haven't, we, haven't, we haven't got budget agreed. Have an idea of how much you have available to spend. Not having a budget agreed makes a big difference. You'd never go shoe shopping without an idea of how much money you're going to spend because it makes the difference between going to Sainsbury's to buy your shoes, which I do, nothing wrong with it, or going to uh, Jimmy Choo. You need to know what your budget is. <laughs> so I beg of you, find that out first. The other thing is, don't go in with such a fixed mindset of what it is you want. We want a one-hour well-being webinar. How do you know that's what you actually need, though? So instead, go into the call prepared to talk about what your issues are and what it is you're trying to achieve. Yeah. And then leave it to the expert, the supplier, to suggest how they might meet that need. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the thing I find. It just allows the suppliers to assess you. So, you know, they should, to be fair, offer a discovery listening session with you to do what you do. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. half an hour, sometimes it's an hour. It doesn't mean you'll get decided then and then. You just book other ones just to clarify. You know, the suppliers should be asking you questions about your business. So be prepared to respond to them. Be clear on the data that you've collected and the reason that you want the workshop or the program. Mm. What the sickness rate has been? Is there, is there a retention issue? So you, they're going to ask the question you need to answer. So the idea is going to go, oh, just want a workshop for this second day. It's like, mm, are you sure? So it's a bit, and I would liken it. It's a bit like going to your GP. Yeah, I've been mm. on the internet. I might have a heart problem. Um, and I think you to give me that medicine. That in what context would that happen? None. That's exactly it. You just go in and you say, "Listen," and doctor going to go, "What's wrong?" And you say, "You know what? Here's what I'm thinking. I might need some medication for something because my heart keeps going this." And, my, and then you're going to go, "Okay, let me ask you, how often have you getting it?" You're not going to go, "Oh no, just doctor, just I already know what's happening. Just give me that medicine." <laughs> Right? That's not how that works. So I don't know why, in the context of finding mental health suppliers in an expertise that is not your expertise, mm. you think you already know what kind of programs would work. 
I get the idea that you know the problem that your people are facing and the outcome you're hoping to get, the transformation. Say that instead. Say we have a group of managers who are new to leadership. Um, we want to take them to a place where they are confident to speak about things, that they that their team follow them when they say things and they support them, blah, blah, blah. That is the end result. Then allow your suppliers, whoever they are, to be able to say, this is how it might work. These are the aspects that you might need to be able to get them to come out of their comfort zone, blah, blah, blah. But the ISA is I'm going to pick that training for that training. That's not really, it's not as effective. So mm. that's what I wanted to say. To so allow your suppliers to assess you because what you think you want may not be what you need. So I hope you found this helpful, a handy little guide to picking and choosing the right mental health suppliers for your organisation. The main thing to note is you guys do need help. You can't do this on your own. It's too big a job and you shouldn't have to. It is not all on your shoulders to make sure that the whole organisation workforce is happy and healthy. This is a team effort. So uh, bring in the experts to be part of your team. We'll see you next time, Rebels. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Wellbeing Rebellion. If you liked what you just heard, please share it with your colleagues, follow us on LinkedIn, the link will be in the show notes, and generally show us some love. We want to build a whole army of fellow rebels who want to create positive workplaces for everyone. Will you join the rebellion? See you next time.